0: a very unique farm system that's very top-loaded right now, the Tampa Bay Rays. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby. Freelance baseball writer and podcaster. And thank you for making this your first listen every single day. We're probably part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. And today's episode is made possible by our friends at FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets. Guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash on to get started today. So, looking at the Tampa Bay Rays, Really unique farm system. I've spent a lot of time diving into them recently because as I've mentioned on the show before, uh I am calling Tampa Bay or I am calling Montgomery Biscuits games, Tampa Bay Raid AA affiliate. I'm calling their games this week. So I've spent more time than usual going through these teams, learning the stories about some of these prospects, making sure I have all my biographical facts right. And when you're looking at their prospects, obviously. Very heavy on position players, and specifically the infield. And I don't think there's really anywhere you can start if you're looking at the best prospects in the system other than Junior Camonero. So 2019 IFA by Cleveland, and traded to Tampa Bay, one of those trades they make seemingly every year after the season where they have more guys to go on the 40-man roster than they can legitimately protect. And so what they'll do is they'll flip some of those guys, the ones that they don't necessarily think are going to make it, and they'll flip some of those guys for future prospects, as in an IFA, a, an 18-year-old, somebody who's got a couple years before they have to go in the 40-man roster. And typically the guy they trade away isn't that fantastic. The guy that was traded to Cleveland in this deal was DFA'd by Cleveland already, whereas Junior Caminero is now top 5, top 10 prospect in all baseball. And so, what he's done this year, 107 games between high A and double A. 332, 394, 601 slugging percentage, 28 home runs, 51 extra base hits, 40 walks through 94 strikeouts, and 5 of 10 on stolen bases. Quick thing here, these stats are all prior to Tuesday's games. So prior to the series that I'll be doing, these are stats through Monday night. But, The thing for Junior Caminero, and having watched some of their games already, just because it's the closest affiliate to me, to where I live, and so I I get to go to their games more often than anybody else's, but one of the big things for me is uh, he has a really unique and rare ability for such a young player to go opposite field and to, no matter where the ball is, to make solid contact, get the barrel on it, and launch a home run. And we heard Beck talk about this yesterday in the Prospect Team of the Week, but it's something hitters are born not made, and Jeter Caminero is a natural-born hitter. He probably doesn't have the highest hit tool on the team simply because there are guys like Curtis Mead who exist. Curtis Mead's uh, higher than that, but it's still a very good hit tool. And then power-wise, very much, uh, he has ridiculous power like 35 batted balls this year over 110 miles an hour like it's the fifth most batted balls over 110 miles an hour in all of baseball not just the minors like that list in all of baseball including the majors is ronald acuna jr shohei otani vladimir guerrero giancarlo stanton junior camanero that is the list He has more balls hit over 110 miles an hour than eight MLB teams do as a whole. Junior Caminero's power is legitimate. And some of the the prospect apparatus, I'm thinking about MLB Pipeline here, they talk about the best power in the system is Xavier Isaac. And I'm at the point of saying, yes, you have a lot of these guys right at about 60 power. I think Junior Caminero is a little bit higher than that. And some of that is obviously you're looking at raw power versus game power, but he gets his power into games very well. And so now he's not a perfect prospect, mind you. I'd call his hit tool above average. I think it could get to plus, but you can see him get fooled with good breaking stuff and things like that right now. But Junior Caminero to me looks like a future uh, All-Star caliber third baseman. The arm is plus. The defense is. Average to maybe a tick above average, but he's going to hit so much and it's not going to so matter that he's only an average defender at third base. Love Junior Caminero, love everything about him. One of the most exciting parts about getting to call these games this week for me, uh, when I agreed to do it, was getting to see Junior Caminero play third base. So, super thrilled about that. Uh, I've already mentioned him, but Curtis Mead, just going to call him an infielder because we'll get there in a second, but Curtis Mead... International free agent by the Phillies. Another guy that they traded for. And has spent time between AAA and the bigs this year. Also lost some time because of a wrist injury. So the number of games he played is not as big as a lot of the other guys in this system. 55 games in AAA in multiple stints because he was called up and sent back down. 299, 394, 498. Very close to a 345 slash line. And if you take out that initial as he's first coming back and isn't like the timing isn't quite right, and he's not quite 100%. He's 95% or 90% from the injury. He has a three, four, five slash line, but 299, 390, 498 for Curtis Meade. Six home runs, 28 extra base hits, 31 walks to 40 strikeouts, four assists six on stolen bases. I mentioned it earlier. It's a 65 grade hit tool, if not a 70 grade hit tool when he's fully healthy. Fantastic hitter. Even at the MLB level, his first 11 games. 250 batting average, right five walks to 13 strikeouts in 11 games. So right there around once a game, but holding his own as far as batting 250 right away and that's obviously going to get better as he gets more and more one uh removed from the wrist injury and two more comfortable with major league pitching. it's it's more it, there's plenty of raw power in there, but the reason he doesn't hit more home runs, Is because it's very much a line drive swing. It's geared towards solid flush contact. He can just lace it into the gap. And with his speed. Which is not necessarily great. He's going to get a double out of it. Whereas you may see triples and things like that. But it'll be long singles and doubles. And then a lot of those guys. I feel like they naturally. Those balls start to tick up in launch angle a little bit. As they get a little more comfortable with pitching at the level. So So yeah, six home runs in 55 games, I absolutely expect that to go up, and in the Major League level, he only has one extra base hit in those first 11 games, no homers, but again, I expect that to tick up. The thing for Curtis Meade is he's not a great defender, right? They've played him some at third, the the arm isn't great, they've played him some at second, the range isn't necessarily great. I think second is going to be where he is, if not first base, and there's plenty of first base options in this system between Xavier Isaac. And Trey Morgan, you've got Yandi Dill. You have plenty of options for first. So he's going to play probably second base. Brandon Lowe he goes to free agency. And so I think that'll help clear some space for him to play. But I like Curtis Meade and I like the potential in the future. The thing here is just playtime, right? He doesn't have that differentiation thing of giving you plus defense. And so he has to hit enough to stay in the lineup and the way Tampa does things, they're going to rotate guys through. It's from a fantasy perspective, it's sometimes really annoying, unless you find one of the rare guys that they let play almost every day. The number three prospect in the system, and a little bit of a different situation from Camonero and Meade, uh, Carson Williams is, one, was drafted by them, first rounder out of high school in 2021, but then two, is a very good defender. Uh, It's above average speed the arm is a cannon it's probably a 70 grade arm it's probably the second best arm in this system behind outfielder mason hour and so he's a plus defender and you can tell that tampa bay thinks his defense is special for two reasons one when all of the wander franco stuff started happening and they had guys on the il like a taylor walls and guys like that they moved carson williams from high a straight to triple a and he was the break in case like break glass in case of emergency option to play shortstop at the major league level if something happened. They thought his defense was so good 2 years after being drafted that they were prepared to move him from the low minors straight to the bigs to play defense at the major league level on a contending team. That's how good his defense is. Now, offensively, I mean it was 4 games in Triple A until they figured out what else they were going to do, but uh, he didn't hit that. Now, in the in high A, he's doing great. 99 games in high A, 249, 344, 489. 21 home runs, 43 extra base hits in 99 games, so you're coming really close to one every other game or so. 48 walks to 138 strikeouts. There's the downside. 16 to 23 on stolen bases. The power is really good. Carson Williams is that guy that he could be a Gold Glove contender at shortstop, while also hitting 25 home runs on his 90th percentile projection. Right, but every day,ers can say it with me, your power tool is only as good as your hit tool. That's where the 138 strike, uh, the, the 138 strikeouts come from. He still struggles with that. He's streaky at, at times at the plate, and his issue is more of mechanical with the swing and having swings and misses in the zone. So definitely things to fix. Simplification of the swing would be something pretty nice. I expect him to finish up the season in high A. Reminder the way it works, just about every level of the minors ends a week before the level above it. So he is a potential to come up to double A for the final week of the season in double A. Uh, Montgomery is contending for the second half uh, division crown, which would put them in the postseason and so he's an option to come up for that final week simply because the defense is so good and they're not getting very good offensive production at short when they don't have Junior Camanero playing. So, Carson Williams, love the power. I think the ceiling's a little bit higher on him than a lot of other prospects in this system because he's such a good defender and he has such good power. In just a minute, there's a couple guys that have popped up on the list and have really climbed up the prospect list this year. And we'll get to them next right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at LinkedIn Sales Navigator. If you're struggling to close deals and you're using cold outreach, you're wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller at every stage. A lot of sellers are using shallow and outdated data to do that. So you have wrong phone numbers, you have wrong contact names, you have wrong information about the businesses. Your organization can overcome these challenges with technology that transforms comprehensive, high quality buyer data into real time insights and use those deeper insights to empower your sales reps and teams to take on the habits of top performers, which leads to better outcomes, deeper pipelines, higher win rates, larger deals. LinkedIn calls this deeper sales. They've built the first deep sales platform with their next generation of the LinkedIn sales navigator. So right now you can try LinkedIn sales navigator and get a 60 day free trial. LinkedIn.com slash locked on that's LinkedIn.com slash locked on for a 60 day free trial. Let LinkedIn sales navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Go to LinkedIn.com slash locked on and get started. Okay, so looking at this Tampa Bay system, there's a couple guys who have popped up the rankings and everydayers who have listened to these to this show have heard of one of these two guys and it's Dominic Keegan. This is a guy that I've been high on for quite a while. Part of it was watching him in college and being very impressed with what I saw is a lot of the skills that don't translate into the statistical production and the scouting sheet. But on some of the most recent, I think it's MLB Pipeline has him as a top 10 prospect in this system as far as a catcher, they can contribute offensively. Obviously, you haven't seen great production from the catchers in Tampa Bay this season. But, 2020 fourth rounder out of Vandy, he's Played 103 games between single A and high A. So, a little bit old for the level, yes. But, the production has been there. 279, 378, 459. 13 home runs, 35 extra base hits. 58 walks to 89 strikeouts and two or three on stolen bases. He's played a little bit of first base. He's DH some as well. So he's in the lineup a lot. 103 games for a catcher is a lot because they they rotate him through first base and DH as well. Uh, going to defensively first, that's the big thing on a catcher. And that's really what's held him back. Uh, he has an above average to plus arm depending on, on uh, the exact situation it feels like. Really good at game calling. And then a lot of those intangibles, like I mentioned, leading the pitching staff, being a leader on the field in the clubhouse, a lot of that stuff he's done really well. What Tampa's been working on him with has specifically been some of the finer points of catching as far as blocking is concerned, as far as framing is concerned. These are all things that he hasn't been as crisp with. And if he was above average in these things already, He's probably a guy who's in double-A versus a guy who's in who's just now in high-A. He probably starts off in high-A and bumps to double-A partway through the year. Now, offensively, it's an above-average hit tool. I'm going to give the power a 50-grade. I think that there's a little bit you can get in there, but for the most part, it, it's something where he's going to be a hit overpowered guy. Uh, he does hit the ball to all fields. I've watched him shoot balls down both lines. It's uh, something where he doesn't chase a ton. He's got really good pitch recognition, a good batter's eye. So he doesn't, you're, you're not going to get him. He's he's not a reliable chase out of the zone kind of guy. You can fool him from time to time. You can fool anybody from time to time, but he's not somebody who's just going to chase over and over again. And then again, just from having observed him in college, as well as seeing him a little bit in the minors, uh, a lot of those intangibles are things that, again, don't show up on the stats sheet but those are definitely things that make him a better teammate and probably a better real-life player than a fantasy option. But Dominic Keegan climbing up the prospect rankings again. MLB Pipeline had him, I want to say again, it was somewhere around number 10 in the system, whereas I believe going into the year, he may have been unranked like completely. So Dominic Keegan, one of the risers there. Another riser, not necessarily shooting way up the list, but more so living up to the prospect ranking that he had after the draft last year first baseman Xavier Isaac 2022 first rounder if you watched our live show last year he's the guy that me and Jeff Ellis were both like whoa we didn't see him coming in as a first rounder and it's something where because he was injured in in high school he had some some physical concerns as well as a lack of production and showcases and things like that but from what I understand he has lost some weight he, he's a good amount. I've seen him referred to as slimmed down or as a svelte Xavier Isaac. But 97 games, again, between A ball and high A. 281, 394, 497. 16 home runs, 39 extra base hits, 60 walks to 86 strikeouts, and 10 for 10 on stolen bases. Don't let stolen bases fool you. He's not a great runner. He is a first base only guy. He doesn't have the athleticism to play a third base, things like that. They've discussed it a little bit. I think he, they may have even run him out there once or twice, but he is a first base only guy. So the bat has to perform. Now, the good thing is it has. He Xavier Isaac has shown the ability to get good power swings to all fields, foul pole to foul pole, hitting home runs all Every direction, the contact ability, just the inherent ability to make contact, both in general and in the zone, is above average to plus. The pitch recognition is pretty good. I've been pretty impressed with that. And the the power grade to me is probably right behind Junior Caminero for biggest power, biggest raw power in this entire system. So Xavier Isaac, one of the multiple different high level first base options, are going to have. Obviously gave them the runway to trade away Kyle Manzardo with the deadline to the Guardians because they've got Isaac and then they've also got Trey Morgan, who they drafted out of LSU this year in the first couple rounds. Now, you'll notice all the position players I've mentioned so far have been infielders or catchers. I haven't mentioned any outfielders, and that's one of the weaknesses of this system, right? So they took outfielder Mason Auer in the fifth round of 2021. Mentioned him earlier, massive arm, great defense. But 114 games in A this year, 198, 288, 327 slash line, nine home runs and 31 extra base hits and 114 games, 47 walks to 170 strikeouts and 45 to 55 on stolen bases. So great speed, again, great defender, plus speed, plus defender, mass 70 great arm. I am excited to watch him just outfield assist the heck out of Chattanooga this week, but He's going to have to hit more to be anything than a defensive replacement. Like, at best right now, given the state of his hit tool, you're looking at a guy who is a defensive replacement, who is the twenty the 28th man you add to the roster for the postseason to pinch run and play defense in the ninth inning of a playoff game when you're up by one. Like, that's where you are with Mason Hour, And so, he's got to fix that. And uh, I haven't seen a ton of him. The couple of the games that I've been to, it's such a small sample size. I, I'm excited. This One of the things in my notebook this week is to specifically spend some time watching him to see what exactly is giving him so much trouble and figure out, is it the opposing pitchers in a scouting report? Is it inconsistencies in the swing? Is it him? Try to figure out what that is. So excited to bring that to you next week. The other thing I didn't mention talking about these top prospects are pitchers. And strangely for the Rays, they're not super loaded with pitching prospects. We'll get to that next right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5, just $5, and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off of NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. So now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is both easy to use and you can bet on everything from spreads, player props, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. Okay, so the state of the pitching in the Tampa Bay Rays system is not great. Tampa Bay has seen injuries at the major league level to just about every pitcher that they have had other than Zach Eflin. Taj Bradley came up. He has graduated from this list, so he is not on there. Shane Boz is listed some places, but he is on the injured list with Tommy John. He will not be part of this as well. Obviously at Major League level, Shane McClanahan, Tommy John surgery. Jeffrey Springs, Tommy John surgery. Drew Rasmussen is having the internal brace, so it's the baby Tommy John surgery. They've had a bunch of relievers. Garrett Clevenger went on the I.L. beginning of the season. I know because I got him in Dynasty, and as soon as I got him, gone. Uh, Jason Adam just went on the I.L., so they are hurting for pitchers. You saw them go out. They traded for Aaron Savali at the deadline. They've gone out there. Tyler Glasnow taking starts. He's probably their number two or number three right now again they got Savali they claim Zach Little Littell Zach Littell off of waivers from Boston in May and he's a starter for them right now that's the state of pitching at the major league level in the minor league level it's also a little bit iffy there's a couple guys that are top 10 top 15 but you're still working on either getting them healthy or getting them to corral some of their stuff. Right hand pitcher Yoniel Corret, 25 games between A ball and high A, 8 and 1 with a 296 ERA and 103rd innings. Great. 137 strikeouts, so 12.3 per nine, to 70 walks, 6.3 per nine. That's not so great. Two home runs allowed. So obviously, a home run every 50 innings is a ratio you will definitely take. Six strikeouts every nine innings is not a ratio you want to take. There's pros and cons with Yonio Curet. The fastball is stupid fantastic, right? Sits 97, 98. He can touch 100 with it, but the control isn't necessarily there. He has a power slider 85 to 87 or so. It's probably above average, but the issue is he doesn't really have a third pitch yet. And part of the reason he's been so successful in the minor leagues it, like in the lower minors is because he hasn't faced enough hitters who can make him pay for not being able to consistently and reliably throw strikes as well as not consistently having a third pitch that he can use to get outs. so uh, I I like the raw stuff I want to see the control get better but then also, he's got to face a higher level of competition. So this is something where you're probably going to see him in double A to start the year next year. And let's see what he can do. Uh, a guy who actually in Montgomery, I should see him pitch this week. Left-hand pitcher Mason Montgomery, 2021 sixth rounder out of Texas Tech. 25 starts this year, 5 and 4 one ERA 107 and two-thirds innings. 131 strikeouts, so 11 point, uh, per nine to 49 walks, 4.1 per nine, 18 home runs allowed. And the home runs are the big thing for Mason Montgomery. The issue here is it's a lefty with an average fastball. Sits 93, he can run it up to 97, and he likes to vary that speed a lot. He'll slow it down to 90, he'll run again, run it up 96-97, and manipulate that a bit to mess with the hitter's timing and prevent a barrel. The reason that he does so much with that fastball. And the other hard part is the fastball's not as good this year as it was last year. Now, I don't know if part of this is they had those tacky baseballs and then they got rid of them after midseason. And so he's had to adjust from the double A ball last year to the tacky baseball to now the MLB baseball. That's entirely possible. I'll probably know more when I'm going to talk to him this week and find out. The transitions of the balls, what would you think of all of them? Which one was good or bad or whatever? But the other reason why he does so much with that fastball is because he really struggles with the secondaries. The slider, the changeup, aren't as consistent where they need to be, throwing them for strikes, getting the swing and miss. And so he's trying to make everything work with that fastball. And it's not a sustainable plan as you move up through the system. So... Down, I'm going to say a down year. It's an ERA of four. Again, the strikeouts are fine. The walks are fine. 4.1 is a little bit higher than you'd love, but not the end of the world. But it's probably not going to play at the next level. So he's got to get comfortable with that baseball. Got to find the secondaries and hone in a little bit better on what exactly made that fastball so great last year as far as movement up in the zone is concerned. The third guy, right-hand pitcher Cole Wilcox. Another guy not drafted by Tampa. He was drafted in the third round of 2020 out of Georgia University of Georgia by the Padres. Never threw for the Padres. Was traded in the Blake Snell deal and then had Tommy John. So he's trying to come back now. He's uh, four and eight on the year with a five four six ERA in Double A Montgomery in 23 starts, 95 and two thirds innings, 94 strikeouts, so eight point eight per nine, two forty two walks, four walks per nine, 12 home runs allowed. He is a power pitcher, correction, he's a mold between a power pitcher and a sinker-slider guy, right? He throws a power slider, he throws a a power sinker, The the velocity isn't quite there on it this year as it was prior to the Tommy John. So, working on getting the velocity back, and the control is really good, it's probably plus control, but the command isn't always there. And so that's where you see the walks, be it four walks per nine, when he probably should be somewhere closer to three. So something where, again, like we talked about, uh, Tommy John surgery is not an exact science and you can get back on the mound in 15 to 18 months, but you're still not the same player for probably the rest of that entire season until the next year. And so I'm hoping next year. Early in the year, Wilcox is probably, depending on how he does in spring training, is probably double A or triple A. You could see him at the major league level by the midpoint of the year or so, but it just feels like he's got a little bit more to do as far as the consistency on the command of both pitches and the velocity on that power sinker. So it's a lot of flaws on these pitchers, right? A lot of guys in this system... Are have some sort of blemish as far as whether it's command, whether it's coming back from injury, things like that. So I'm not 100% sure what Tampa's going to do. They're a candidate to make some trades of some infielders to go out and get some more help. I mean, if you look at, we've been talked forever, like this is one of the two teams that has a million high-level high infielders, the other one being the Baltimore Orioles. They can afford to move somebody to go out and get some pitching. And this may be the offseason you see them do that. Fantastic week this week. A few more shows coming up. In the meantime, if you have questions for Monday's mailbag, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Shows on Twitter at Locked on Farm. Tons of ways you can get them to us. Uh, and in the meantime, until then, it's always a great time to pay a minor leaguer.